Hey there, I'm Rianne Mullins, and I'm the host of the Balanced Fit and Free podcast. 15 years ago, I lost 65 pounds by revamping my lifestyle in a very realistic and totally manageable way. Now I teach other women how to ditch the yo-yo dieting cycle and start living a balanced, fit, and happy life through real food, effective exercise, and a powerful mindset. Each week, I'll be popping into your ears to teach you how you too can live a balanced and fit life free from unrealistic diets and crazy expectations. Let's go. Hello, hello, and thank you for coming back this week. Last week, we talked all about food journaling and how it can be a very useful tool in your healthy journey if you use the food journaling in a productive way. So I just want to give you a super quick review of what we talked about last week, and then I'll continue part two of food journaling. So really, I gave you three major tips when it comes to food journaling last week, and here they are. Number one, if you're going to do a food journal, be totally honest with everything that you are eating. Remember, the whole point of food journaling is to get information and research, and if it's not true and honest, then it's pointless. So make sure that you're being totally honest with everything that you're eating. The second tip was add more information. Don't just write out what food you're eating or how much and how many calories. Add information like, how are you feeling? Are you eating because you're hungry or because you're bored or you're sad? A food journal is totally different than a food log. It is just that, a journal, a place to express your feelings or dig a little deeper than just what you're eating. And the third tip was use the food journal to learn. Okay. Don't just do it to do it. Use it to learn, review it and tweak your future meals based on the information you learn. If you felt great one week, then repeat that same pattern. If you felt terrible or gained weight, then you need to try again. So today I want to tell you all about my personal Uh, history with food journaling. Okay. My own food journey. And I'll tell you right now, it's been a roller coaster for sure. You probably already know my story about going from Rand's cookies to now, but I haven't shared everything. And if you don't know my story, you may want to go back and listen to episode number one. It gives you a little bit more information on what I'm talking about. So there's a lot of history in my food journey. And I haven't really shared all of it with many people yet. And today I figure, why not? I'm going to spill the beans on everything I've done around my food journaling. And why? I mean, why should I open up about this? Well, I think to be totally honest and open about your own journey, you can help others. And that's the entire reason that I even started this podcast. And the reason I do coaching programs and coach people is to help them. So my entire food journey started at about age 10-ish. I've told the story of hating my thighs at an early age of, I think I was like eight. I'm not totally sure, but I remember it was pretty young. So all of this started at a very early age. And I want to say that probably this is happening with your kids and kids around you. And, you know, as adults, we need to be aware of it. But anyway... I remember when, though, I was about 11 or maybe, I don't think I was quite 12, but maybe 11. 
I was really getting made fun of at school a lot because I was chubby. I was the tallest girl and the heaviest girl. Unfortunately, um, in our society, this is a bad thing for a girl, but for a boy, that's awesome, right? Boys can use that bigness to their advantage. Whereas girls are shunned, you know, for girls, you're supposed to be small and dainty and boys are supposed to be big and tough. And thankfully this is all starting to shift more. And I'm so, so glad because I think it's really sad for a lot of us that we live like this. It's not fair to girls to feel like they have to be small and fragile, and it's not fair to boys to feel like they have to be big and strong. So it's all a bunch of crap, actually. And, you know, like I said, fortunately, I think a lot of this is shifting in the recent years, and I'm really glad for that. Unfortunately, it's taken me a really long time to truly embrace who I am, my size, my smartness, and, you know, even my success or lack of. And I bet you too, at some point, have felt all of these things as well. Anyway, back to my story. When I was about 11 or 12, I asked my mom why people made fun of me. She tried really hard to explain how people are just mean and that we must treat others the way we want to be treated. That didn't really answer my question, but that talk sure did stick in my head forever. The golden rule, treat others like you want to be treated. And I think I do this. Like I really strive to do this. I like to treat other people the way I want to be treated. But that day, that was not the advice that I was looking for. So I said, okay, mom, but how can I get skinny so that the other girls like me better? And I remember this crystal clear and she stopped. I remember she was folding laundry on, you know, putting on her bed. So I was standing in her room with her and She looked at me for a long time and then she said, well, I think you are great the way you are and you shouldn't be friends with those girls that are mean to you about how you look. Awesome advice, by the way, but that still didn't appease me because I just wanted to know how to get skinnier. So she said, well, you know, when I was your age, my mom took me to the doctor because I was a little chubby too. And the doctor put me on a 1000 calorie a day diet. And then she said that her mom, my grandmother, used to weigh her food and track everything that she ate. And she said she was miserable. Then she said, I am not going to do that to you. Okay, so whatever. I moved on. But guess what? She did do it to me without even knowing because I remembered those exact words. 1,000 calories. 1,000 calories is going to be my new focus All I had to do was eat 1,000 calories a day and I could be skinny, just like all those other girls, right? Well, now, of course, I had no idea what that even meant, but I was determined to figure it out. I found a book in my mom's things that had the calorie count of all kinds of foods. And you got to remember, we didn't have the internet back then. So you couldn't Google foods and find out how many calories they had or open up your MyFitnessPal app. We had to actually research like in books. (laughs) I don't know what our kids would do now. And I don't even know. I don't even know what I would do now. I'm so used to that. Anyway, this began my food obsession. I started writing down everything, everything. I wrote it down in this little blue book that I had a little blue diary and I hid it because I didn't want my mom to know that I was counting calories. I felt like she would be disappointed in me since she told me she didn't want me on the 1,000 calorie a day diet. 
I also hid that little blue book because I wrote a lot of very ugly things in there about my mom, about my stepdad and about my stepbrothers and how much pretty much I hated everybody and I hid my life. And, you know, drama of a 11, 12 year old. So it was my very private journal. And, you know, it's funny. I bet my mom read it all anyway, <laughs> because I'm sorry to say this, but my daughter also had a journal that I said I wouldn't read and I didn't mean to, but then, you know, one day I did. <laughs> so, and it was interesting information in there. You can learn a lot from those little, those little diaries. Anyway, if you're wondering how the 1000 calorie diet went for me, let's just say that it didn't go well. I didn't get skinny. The chubby jokes and ridicule continued and my self-esteem just got worse. So fast forward to the eighth grade. At this point, I was starting to slim down a little bit. My mom, my mom and other people would say, oh, look, you're starting to lose the baby fat. <laughs> I hated those words more than anything. Baby fat. I was like, I'm not a baby. Anyway, um, but even though I was starting to slim down, I was still always bigger than other girls. I had a round face and some chub on my belly and thighs. But in the eighth grade, I started taking volleyball more seriously. I was playing year round and noticed that I was leaning out. That's when I realized exercise was the key. Maybe calories weren't as big of a deal as long as I was exercising. That's when I started to also write down what exercise I was doing. Then I would look up the book, you know, in the book about how many calories I supposedly burned. So I was adding up the calories I ate and then subtracting out the calories I burned, hoping that they would equal less than 1000. I had that number stuck in my head for years. I guess I thought it was the magic number since a doctor had told my mom that, you know, what she should eat when she was a little girl. So talk about poor data, right? <laughs> but what did I know at the time? So between eighth grade and year 30, probably five of my life, I was now both consumed with the food going in my mouth and the amount of exercise that I did. I think it was really before I was 35 that I knew exercise wasn't the main thing. And I knew that calories in and calories out were not the only thing too, but I hadn't fully accepted the fact that there was more to it that I just didn't understand. And I just didn't know what it was yet. My food journaling was more like food logging. The difference being that logging is only looking at the food and its numbers. So how many calories, how many grams of fat, how much protein, sugar, etc. And food journaling is more, I'm just reminding you this, is more about all the information around what you were eating, your feelings, the situation, your cycle, etc. I was totally obsessed with writing out everything I ate, like everything. When this all started, there wasn't apps or Google spreadsheets. There was paper. I had notebooks, sticky notes, scrap pieces of paper, backs of envelopes, anything I could find to write out what I had eaten. It totally consumed me. I couldn't focus on work or school or really anything because all I could think about was what I was eating and all the numbers associated with it. So the funny part is at age 29, so literally this continued for years and years, at age 39 and right before I turned 30, I was the heaviest I'd ever been. All this food obsession, food logging, calorie counting, exercising ridiculous amounts had led me nowhere except to the unhappiest, fattest, heaviest point in my life. 
The more I counted calories and exercise to try to burn them off, the worse I felt. Sure, I was eating dozens of things like cookies, pizza, Chinese takeout, frozen chicken nuggets, and macaroni and cheese, not to mention the handfuls of goldfish and the crusts of the kids' sandwiches or whatever they left on their plates. But I was counting those calories and then exercising, hoping to burn them off. So why the hell was I getting bigger? (laughs) Does any of this sound familiar to you? Because I do work with people who don't eat the right things, but they, you know, look at my fitness pal and they're like, but I'm under the calories. And I'm like, yeah, but it matters what you're eating, not just the number of calories. Anyway, at the time though, I had no idea that I was eating emotionally. I had no idea that I was stuffing my face to hide how I felt. And I had no idea that I was just keeping myself in this terrible cycle. I truly thought it all came down to the amount of calories I ate and the amount of calories that I burned. Thank God I learned differently. And, you know, I'm not going to go into all of the hows and whys of like nutrition right now, Um, but just know that logging your food, counting calories, counting carbs, or using exercise to burn off your poor food choices does not work. I promise you it does not work. There's so much more to it. And the funny part is there's so much more to it, but it doesn't have to be so complicated at the same time. Okay. So when I was 30, I started to learn about balance among nutrients and balancing my blood sugar and my hormones. This really worked for me. I focused on what I was eating instead of how much I was eating. Actually, I did pay attention to portion size, but I didn't just count the amount of calories. After doing this, I was able to shed 65 pounds and by balancing my meals, I discovered I felt happier. This led to less emotional eating and I was starting to feel happier in other areas of my life too. Food is powerful. You just have to be careful what kind of power you give it. For too long, I gave food power over me. Now I have learned that I can choose the foods that give me power, like give me power, right? And I can still have a little fun along the way. So during the time of changing what I was eating, I still used a food journal. Actually, it was more like a food log. Okay. But that's when I realized that I was only going to use it to see how I felt and not for calorie counting. I only wanted to track the balance in my meals. Okay. So I went from food logging to more of a food journal, you know, and I would note, I would note things like, did I get some protein in that meal? Did I choose a healthy carbohydrate? Did I feel good and full? And this is what I started to track, not the numbers. Okay. And this is when a lot of things shifted in my life. I did still use exercise as a way to feel like I could eat more though. That took me a longer time to stop. And honestly, it's still something I struggle with a little bit. And you know, that could be a whole nother episode, but there are times where I do catch myself feeling like, Ooh, I didn't exercise today. And I ate a little too, you know, too much sugar or whatever. And I have to stop myself right there in the moment and quit that kind of thinking. And first, I want to tell you that for many years, I was thrilled to feel so balanced and happy and in control of myself instead of letting food control me. Okay. But then, you know, it's been many years and it was awesome because I was so happy. I was, I felt balanced and I was, you know, helping more and more people like get balanced with their food and their exercise and everything was just like going along just fine until about 2016. 
It was between 2016 and 2018. Something definitely happened. I started feeling off again. I was starting to feel tired, depressed, not so balanced. And I was starting to put a little bit of weight on like about seven or eight pounds, nothing like major, but nothing else had really changed with my nutrition and my um, exercise. So friends joked with me about going through menopause early, which totally was not funny to me at all. (laughs) I was having all of these weird things happen. I was getting dizzy and feeling faint. I was super fatigued. I was feeling really down again, like depressed. I was feeling like I did before I made the changes. I went to several doctors to see what was going on with me. And of course, no answers. Finally, I found a doctor who did an entire thyroid panel and we discovered that I have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder that is related to your thyroid. My thyroid had been tested for years due to my symptoms, but the TSH, which is the hormone that most doctors check, always came back in the normal range. Well, this new doctor found that two of my four thyroid hormones were not balanced and that indeed meant I have thyroid dysfunction. Again, I'm not planning to talk more about thyroid and autoimmune at this point in this episode, but that's something that we definitely will cover another time. When I finally got some answers around this, I found out that I had, and I still have, some food intolerances. I was told not to eat gluten, dairy, nuts, chicken, mushrooms, peppers, and eggs. Do you want to just take a guess at what this did to me? All these new rules and restrictions completely threw me back into my old patterns. I had to track what I was eating so I could see how it affected me and my symptoms. Since I had already been using food journaling to see how food affected me, you wouldn't think that this could throw me off, but it totally did. I felt scared to eat. I felt terrified that I was going to go back to my old self. I also had closed my fitness studio. So here I was finding out that I had an actual health issue. Now I couldn't eat some of my favorite foods that helped me get where I was. I was no longer, you know, owning a studio and I was feeling like I was spiraling out of control. At this point, I had been nutrition coaching for a while. So all of a sudden I felt like a total fraud. I felt like I didn't know anything. I started to question everything I was telling people. Did I do this to myself? Was I eating poorly all along? And how could I help others if I can't even figure out myself? So. I instantly went back to scribbling down the food I ate, the number of calories, how much I exercised, etc. My obsession with food and counting and measuring and calculating was back. But now I felt responsible for other people and it terrified me because I was now a role model to all these women who believed in me. I was terrified that I was going to balloon back up and lose my clients and my business and have to start completely over. So Isn't it funny though? I just want to throw this in here that when things aren't going as planned, we go into this doom and gloom, you know, we go to catastrophe. We think everything's going to be ruined, you know, and you know, it doesn't always mean that. So fortunately these feelings didn't last long. Just like I teach my clients, I decided to just chill out and take it day by day, meal by meal. I decided to only track my food, not calories or grams of anything, but I would track it to see how the foods I ate affected my inflammation, my dizziness, my brain fog, and any other symptom I was having. 
I had to stop worrying about my weight and how I looked in order to figure out this actual medical issue. And this is what I did. I was able to add back some foods to my life after getting my gut health in check. This is a great topic for another episode, by the way. Gut health is critical. And I was able to get my gut back in check because I did track and make notes about how I felt. This was a totally new and different reason to journal about my food. I even discovered that some of my supposed food intolerances weren't really an issue. I could eat chicken and peppers without an issue, but I totally can't eat gluten without filling it a few days later. My food journaling was research and it truly helped me find my way back to feeling good. So as you can see, I've been up and down and all around regarding food journaling. Now I still use food journaling to help me feel better, but I no longer feel obsessed or out of control if I don't track. I know what foods make me feel good. I know what foods make me feel bad. And so I spend most of the time eating the forward choice foods. Okay. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's an episode all about forward and backward choices. Check that out. So if you're listening to this, I hope that this show will show you that no one is perfect. We all have flaws and fears. Just because I've spent the last 15 years focused on helping others with their own health, fitness, and nutrition journey doesn't mean that I have mine figured out 100% of the time. And I would even say that most nutrition and fitness experts out there feel the same. I have really good friends that I work with in this field, and you wouldn't believe how much we talk about this. It's really hard to you know, be a role model with this type of thing because you feel like everyone's watching all the time and that can actually cause a lot of stress. So it's also important to understand that things change. Our body changes, our circumstances change, and even our likes and dislikes change. Food journaling can be a way to track these changes and see how they affect you and your results. I hope you can see how food journaling versus food logging and counting can be a benefit. But please stop and get help if you start to feel obsessed or out of control when it comes to counting and tracking every little number, especially if you can't focus on other things in life. This is disordered eating and needs attention. Now that I have been through this myself and can see all the different aspects of it, I've really enjoyed helping other women break this cycle. And I can also help with food intolerances and how to still enjoy eating and learn how to eat around those food intolerances. So please consider contacting me if you're having any of these issues and maybe I can help coach you to a better way. Thank you so much for being here. Please share this episode or the whole podcast with anyone you feel would benefit from it. Take care and I'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning into the Balanced Fit and Free podcast. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And if you are looking for a crew of amazing women who are also seeking a balanced fit and free lifestyle, be sure to join my exclusive community on Facebook. The link is waiting for you in the show notes. Until next time, keep your thoughts positive and your coffee hot.